0: And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. We've done your homework.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, deep left field. This is right Welcome. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: Albert Pools may be 43 years old, but the machine still has it. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, August 23rd. Frank Sample joined by Scott White today on the show. Another day, more pitching performances, like really big pitching games here on Monday night that we will talk about. Most added and dropped hitters on CBS from the weekend. I do have some hitter questions for Scotty. Team name Tuesday and much more, but let's jump in.
1: My good goodness
0: gracious! You know, Scott. Even before we get to the pitching performances, I do want to highlight Albert Pujols because I saw this stat on Twitter, and it just blew my mind. So Pujols does it again here on Monday night. He goes two for three, hits his fourteenth home run. He's now up to six hundred and ninety-three homers for his career. He has six homers over his last seven games. But per Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats on Twitter, Pujols is slugging thirteen hundred over his last ten games. That is his highest slugging percentage in a 10-game span in his entire career.
1: That is hard to believe. (laughs) I know, right? It's insane. That's, wow. I mean, he's gotten his year-long OPS up to 881. Wow. 14 home runs is as many as Jose Abreu has at this point. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I mean he kind of showed he still had it at the Home Run Derby, right? Who was he going head to head with in in round 1? I remember somebody of note said he had bet on whoever Pujols was facing that first round precisely because Pujols Pujols was facing him that first round.
0: So it was Kyle Schwarber.
1: Yeah. Was that you who said that? No, no, no. Okay.
0: I bet it on may Corey Chris. I don't know. I bet on Corey Seager for the Home Run Derby and it just so happened he went up against Julio Rodriguez yeah. in the first round, so that sunk. Uh but yeah. yeah. Our Pulse, man. This is awesome. And he's hot. He's got what we're looking at. Five, six weeks left for him to to hit seven home runs. And I'm rooting for the guy. I really hope he gets it done. Some people are talking about him coming back for next year. Now, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, regardless of what happens, it's it's been really, really fun to watch.
1: The legend. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd like to get excited about him in fantasy, but he's still not like quite an everyday player. So yeah. it's, it's hard to.
0: I mean, it's really just like NL only and maybe some
1: deeper 15-team roto weeks. Yeah, he's probably relevant in those 15-teamers now, but for how long? Anywho,
0: let's uh, let's talk about the pitcher who he provided that one run to, and that's the only run that he needed.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jordan Montgomery had another great start for the Cardinals. I mean, I guess you could say it was the best start of his career, right? One-hit shutout at the Cubs, Struck out seven, so kind of ended that stretch of back-to-back starts with uh, more than a strikeout per inning. And my hope with him getting away from the Yankees, having a change of scenery—you know, judging by the great swinging strike rate Jordan Montgomery has always had—that uh, that, that maybe a new coaching staff, a new set of eyes on him would help him to turn those all those swinging strikes into more strikeouts and you know, the previous two starts, that was the case. I'm not going to going to complain about seven strikeouts when they come in nine innings because they came in nine innings, you know? And what I think we did see a continuation of for Montgomery in this start is he, he continued to lean on that four-seamer more. Like, just every time out there for the Cardinals, he seems to throw it more. 35% of the time in this start, and that's compared to eleven percent of the time for the season. He is a pitchy hardly through with the Yankees. And the metrics on it aren't that impressive. Uh good spin rate, I would say. Good spin rate on it, but it it, it hasn't registered a lot of whiffs itself. Most of his whiffs have come on the changeup and curveball. But it, it seems to be working for him. Like it, it's at this point, it's it's hard to, to just write it off as a coincidence him throwing it more and having more success. So I think Jordan Montgomery is a pitcher who you can have a lot of faith in down the stretch at this point.
0: Yeah, there's not much actionable to do because obviously Jordan Montgomery is uh, rostered in, I'm not going to say every league, but it's probably close to every league. But yeah, if he continues to pitch, not as good as this. I mean, he's allowed... What is it? One earned run total in four starts with the Cardinals. It's like a 0.35 ERA. He's not going to keep that up, but you know he's, he's pitching really well right now and you know, probably bordering on a, a top 40 starting pitcher rest of the season, uh, I would say. I haven't updated the rankings yet this week, but yeah, I would say he's, I think, firmly inside the top 50. Scott, what do you think about moving him up that, that high? Does that make sense? Uh, off the top of my head, I want to say yes.
1: Let me see who that puts him in the same range as. So that would put him ahead of guys for me like Luis Garcia, Mike Clevenger. Uh, let's see. I, I have a couple guys behind there that I'm going to need to move up as well, like Dusty May and Edward Cabrera. So it might be a tad aggressive top 50 for Jordan Montgomery, but if he's not inside, he's just outside.
0: Uh, fair enough. Yeah, I noticed the same thing, Scott. He's throwing that four seam fastball more. It was just around eleven percent usage on that pitch for the season, but now in four starts with the Cardinals, that's right around thirty percent usage with that four seam fastball. So uh, obviously, there is a lot that goes into pitching. Not just you, you can't just look at one singular pitch and say, okay, well, it's not a great pitch, even though that technically is the case for Jordan Montgomery, but. You know, the yeah. sequencing, the way that they work it in, he has a good uh, curveball and changeup in terms of getting whiffs. So I think just the sequencing and the way that they're they're kind of throwing that entire package of pitching together right now is working for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, there's yeah. a lot to be excited about with him.
1: I do think it's notable that it has a high spin rate for a fastball. 2,300 RPM is, is high for that particular pitch because that would seemingly create rising action, which... Might pair nicely with that changeup in curveball, obviously, two pitches with... I mean, no pitch technically rises, you know, but those pitches drop more significantly than others. So maybe just pairing it up with those two is is, uh, creating a lot of deception for hitters.
0: Mm -hmm. And before anyone else tweets at me, yes, I am sad that the Yankees are not reaping the benefits of Jordan Montgomery, in case anyone was wondering. Uh, Another pitcher here who was awesome on Monday night Edward Cabrera, who not just had his first seven inning start of his career, he had his first eight inning start of his career. It was at the Oakland A's. He went eight shutout with two hits, three walks, allowed seven strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 101 pitches, 12 of those coming on the changeup, which just continues to look like an awesome pitch for Edward Cabrera. And he really settled down, Scott. I I watched a lot of this start. He had two walks, and 24 pitches in the first inning. So that means he needed just 77 pitches to get through the final seven innings of work in this start. He only allowed one more walk over those final seven innings. And listening to the broadcast, they were talking about how Sandy Alcantara has really taken Edward Cabrera under his wing this season, which there are a lot of comparisons here, Scott. I mean, if you just look at, the build, right? They're both like six, five over 200 pounds, like just really big dudes. They throw extremely hard right-handed pitchers. They each throw four or more different pitches. Um, Sandy struggled with control early on in his career as well. So, you know, we're still kind of seeing Edward Cabrera work into the thing, his things right now. And he's far from a finished product, Scott, but I thought that that was really cool to hear that he's working very closely with Sandy Alcantara. And I, I continue to say, I think the sky's the limit. I know it's the Oakland A's. It's a, you know, great matchup, but uh, yeah, depending on if he can keep this up the rest of the season, I think Edward Cabrera will probably be one of, you know, the more popular breakout picks for next year as well.
1: Oh yeah, I would agree. I I mean, the only thing, the the only real knock on Sandy or Sam, I'm I'm starting to call him Sandy. The only real knock on Edward Cabrera is uh, the control. Well, control and I guess durability because we've seen him struggle to stay healthy, but, the arsenal is fantastic. He entered this start with four pitches, with a thirty percent whiff rate or better. He had a he had a swinging strike rate as good as Garrett Cole. He had a ground ball rate actually better than Sandy Alcantara. So that's one thing he and Alcantara have in common too is they're they're they allow so many ground balls that they don't necessarily have to be big strikeout pitchers. And uh, and some Sandy Alcantara, had, you know, hasn't been but Edward Cabrera looks like he may be more of one than Alcantara is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
0: recently made the comp of Luis Castillo for Edward Cabrera, and I think it's, you know, it is lofty expectation, but uh, yeah, if he could stay healthy pitching in that park, in Marlins Park, I think there is a lot to like for Edward Cabrera. Not just this year, but obviously for years to come. How old is he? He is 24 years old, so yeah, he's still pretty young. Uh, He is 81% rostered, Edward Cabrera, so... Not really much to do there, but could be out there in some shallower leagues. Uh, make sure to go check and, and see if, if he is available, because obviously you want him on your team. Let's get into some of the most added and dropped players from the weekend, Scotty. And we'll start with the most added hitters, which includes Brett Beatty, Lars Newbar, Jake Fraley, Shea Langoliers and Vaughn Grissom. Nothing terribly interesting here. I mean, I think it's a lot of players that we... Talked about on yesterday's podcast. Um, Newt bar all the way up to 44% rostered. Could argue that should probably be even higher. But yep, I think this list makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it does too. Obviously, you have the recent call-ups in there. And uh, we talked about Jake Fraley a lot yesterday. It makes sense why he's being added. And he th- that could stand to go up too. 28% is still really low. But Newt Barr is is the one who I think... I, I have a good feeling about him. I think he's going to be, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't mean this comparison from a long term perspective, but kind of like Frank Schwindel was last year. This out of nowhere uh, player who can carry you to position uh, as the season comes to a close. And uh, you know, part of the reason I like Newt Barr, part part of what there is to like about him is that his skill set is especially suited for points leagues so that's you know that that's the format where it might be harder for an outfielder to become relevant because there are fewer spots to fill and in a way the 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 threshold to meet is higher because there are more there are more ways an outfielder can make himself startable in a points league than in a roto league because it rewards more things than, than a roto league does. Uh, but new Barr's good at those things. He's during this stretch. He's had s- several more walks than strikeouts over the past month. And, uh, and he's batting lead off against righty. So there, there's a lot going on there that I think uh, we can get excited about.
0: The Brett Beatty one's interesting too, because depending on how he closes out the rest of this week, you know, I could see him losing playing time when Edward, um, Eduardo Escobar is back or maybe even get sent back down because he, you know, outside of his first three games where he had a hit in each one, he's now gone hitless yeah. in four straight. And, you know, I think it's totally reasonable that Brett Beatty, who was very aggressively called up from AAA, is struggling right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with adding him to see where it goes, but wouldn't be surprising if, you know, um, this time next week maybe we're, we're dropping Brett Beatty once again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, but... He's struggling because he hasn't gotten hits, right? It's not like he's, it's not like he's getting buried in strikeouts or not making hard contact. And mm-hmm. I was actually putting together an article just before the podcast here, basically, guys, it's okay to give up on, and uh, kind of a complete list at every position. And third base was the position where I had the most names there, and in a way, it makes sense because third base is uh such a you know it's 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 been such a shallow position that you know you you may have to start a dud there just because there's no upgrade to be found you know yeah but we see Justin Turner still rostered 92% of leagues Ryan McMahon in 90 Kibrian Hayes in 78 he's on the IL right now but it's not expected to be a long term absence Josh Donaldson in 70 Luis Arias in 66% of leagues i, I mean if you're if you're if you're having to count on any of those guys at third base, you might as well swap them out for Beatty and see how it goes. Yeah, and you're, just, you're just not losing much by giving up on them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's basically a top nine at the position. Eh, I mean, I guess if you count Brandon Drury, there's like a top 10, and Muncie has been better. But yeah, the back end of the top 12 for third base is really, really bad. So uh, I totally get it. If you are just looking for someone to stream right now for Brett Beatty, uh, you're right. Just a 22% strikeout rate, 75% ground ball rate. So he's hitting the ball hard. A lot yeah. of it is and, into the ground right now.
1: And that had been an issue in the minors too. Mm-hmm. It, it had kind of prevented him from getting the most of his power. It improved as he got closer to majors, but yep. yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me to hear that.
0: Some of the most dropped hitters from the weekend: Marcel Ozuna, Yasmani Grandal, Paul DeYoung, who has just two hits in his last seven games. He has cooled off. Alec Thomas. Since the start of July, he is batting 228 with two homers, zero steals, and three caught stealing. So, quite literally providing nothing. And O'Neal Cruz, Scott, I was surprised to see this one. People are dropping O'Neal Cruz. I mean, I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised. He hit his 10th home run here on Monday. It was a skyscraper, 41-degree yeah. launch angle, which is just like... I, what would you say the average, Scott, on a home run is like 25 degrees, maybe 30, somewhere in the 20 I to 30 know. range.
1: I know Chris would know. I don't know. <laughs> that that sounds about right.
0: But 41 degrees. I mean, this ball yeah. went straight up that into is, the that air. Is a like, moonshot. It yeah. is crazy. Um, but O'Neal Cruz, he has 10 homers, 6 steals in 51 games. That is a 29 homer, 17 steal pace over 150, which that's a very viable player the problem is the batting average is very low he's got a 38 percent strikeout rate 52 Mm percent ground ball rate he's swinging and missing a lot he's chasing pitches and i noticed against breaking balls he's batting 0.092 so that is a real real issue for o'neill cruz scott what do you think about him being on this list of some of the most dropped hitters
1: i get it i almost put him on the list i was referring to of players it's okay to give up on yeah it's Specifically talking a redraft sense, not a dynasty sense. I ultimately thought better of it because, you know, kind of the, the idea of the list is, okay, we've given these guys enough time. It's okay to move on uh, at this point. You know, you can't, you can't really, it's, it's too late to be guided by FOMO. Uh, it was kind of the tagline of the piece. And I think in the case of like Javier Baez, you know, like, okay, we know Javier Baez's history. And, and so you wanted to give him a very long leash, but it's it's been long enough. If <laughs> Like if you can't drop him in late August, you can never drop him, you know? And in the case of O'Neill Cruz, because there have been these really impressive displays of athleticism and the good home run pace, the good stolen base pace, the fact that he struck out way too much. You know, maybe he maybe it's maybe it's worth keeping him around just in case he he does kind of start to key in a little better and uh, can get the most out of those tools. You know, he hasn't been he hasn't gotten the same leash as some of the other players that are referenced in this column, like a Javier Baez, just because he hasn't been up all year.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Correct. Let's move over to the pitcher side of things. The most added pitchers: Mike Soroka up to fifty-two percent rostered. Then we have Ross Stripling at seventy-one percent, Austin Voth twenty-two percent, Eduardo Rodriguez at forty-four percent, and Jason Adam thirty-four percent. Who, Scott, I believe you have given him the kiss of death because since you brought him up as a <laughs> as a closer to add, uh, he has pitched, I believe, only in the seventh and eighth innings since then. So. It's yep. It's just kind of the way of the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen. And,
1: you know. The way of the Ray. Yeah. I I feel confident saying Jason Adam hasn't gotten his last save of the year, though. I feel would pretty good at saying agree. that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And either way, if you pick him up in a categories league, his ratios and strikeouts have been very, very useful. So... Uh, regardless, yeah. you know maybe he gets you three to five saves the rest of the season and, and really good ratios. Mike Soroka on this list got all the way up to fifty-two percent. As I mentioned, he made his second rehab start on Sunday at Triple A this time, and it was not nearly as good as his first one. He went three and a third. He gave up six hits, two runs, one walk, zero strikeouts, which again is totally reasonable because he's coming back from a second Achilles surgery. I think you know maybe we were kind of spoiled with that first rehab start and. I think it was at high A, so the competition not nearly as good. But yeah, yeah, this second rehab start did not nearly go as well. What do you think about him being the most added pitcher on CBS?
1: Yeah, I still think it makes sense. I I think he's building up nicely and is on pace to return uh, in September, probably near the start of September. And I imagine he'd, you know, we just saw Jake Odorizzi have a good start for the Braves against the Pirates, so whatever. (laughs) But it wouldn't surprise me if Soroka takes his spot. And right now you can stash him in an IL spot. And there's there, there aren't that many players worth stashing in an IL spot right now because so many have been ruled out for the year. So many others who were long-term stashes have gotten removed from the IL recently. So uh, a lot of people with open IL spots are picking him Soroka up and stashing him. And I think that makes sense.
0: Scott, can I get it on record that When Mike Soroka gets called up, the day he makes his Braves debut for 2022, you sing the Mike Soroka song. Hmm. Mike Soroka, do 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 do. Will you do it?
1: Do I just have to say that?
0: I, I don't know. Say it a few times, <laughs> however the chorus of that this, song goes. This
1: seems, this seems uh, poorly conceived. Almost like you just came up it now, with it now off the top of your head. 1,000% just came up with it right now. Yeah.
0: But, you know, mm. it's it's a pretty fun time to be, be a Braves fan, I guess. You know, Sure. The return of yeah. Mike Soroka. Oh, you know, we defending could, could World together. Series together. champions. <laughs> They're
1: awesome. We could sing it together. Yeah, that's fine.
0: But, uh, mm. you know, I think people want to hear you sing more than they want to hear me mm. sing. Nah.
1: All right. We'll sing it too. They, to, they used to, um you know, you know how much Adam used to like singing on this podcast. Yeah, and he always said he didn't, but he did.
0: Oh yeah, deep down, one
1: hundred percent. Luke Weaver. You know that was a good one.
0: <laughs> when I first started hosting this podcast, I wanted to get just a bunch of singing drops from Adam. And just I don't know yeah. why it just didn't come to fruition. Either he was too busy or I was too busy, something like that. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's something I can make happen <laughs> for next year because I feel like that would. Add a nice little flavor to the show. Uh, Anyway, we'll sing when Mike Soroka gets called up. The most dropped pitchers from the weekend, Yusei Kikuchi, which totally makes sense. Carlos Carrasco is out for like the next three weeks at least, so I suppose that makes sense as well. This one was interesting. Jose Quintana. I know he wasn't great last week in a two-start week, but his team context is much better now, and he was pitching well, so... I don't know that I would have dropped Jose Quintana. Uh, Mitch Keller, that's fine. You could drop him. And then a, a little bit further down the list, Scott, Marcus Stroman and Reed Detmers on the most dropped list. They were right around 7 8% dropped in leagues. And I know Detmers' most recent start wasn't good, but yeah. I don't agree with the Detmers and the Jose Quintana drops here.
1: I definitely don't agree with that. Merc Quintana, I think is fine. He's he's okay. pretty streamable, and it looked he he seemed like an obvious choice to scream to scream to stream last week, and it went very poorly. So, you know, when are you going to start him? I feel like a lot of people are are considering that and are you know finding other choices to stream instead, and I'm I'm. I'm on board with that. I don't think we've seen the last of Jose Quintana as a fantasy contributor in 2022. But I don't think he's, I don't think he needs to be, I, I don't think he needs to be protected necessarily either.
0: I think I just figured out why he was dropped too. This week, he is facing off against your Atlanta Braves, and they are very good against left handed pitching this year. Yeah. Second Tough matchup. Second in weighted on base average against lefties are the Atlanta Braves. So uh you know what? That is a good point because this time of year, I think you can almost play the matchups more. Like obviously we play the matchups throughout the course of the season, but somebody who we think has upside, you know, for the entirety of the season, you know, we're more willing to hold on to. There's you know, there's only five or six weeks left. So I think you could be a little bit more liberal with your your ads yeah. and drops when it comes to streaming options.
1: Yeah. And I, I, th- I think I referenced it on the podcast yesterday, like compared to the other major providers, uh, CBS starting pitcher percentages, roster percentages are, are much higher because of how many points leagues are mm-hmm. on our site. So, you know, streaming makes all the more sense in a points league. And, and I think you see bigger fluctuations at that position because of it. Yeah. So it sure. kinda it kinda pays to think in the points league sense when you're talking about pitcher ads and drops.
0: Mm, I just saw Jose Quintana sixty seven percent rostered on CBS, forty four percent on Yahoo. Edward Cabrera is eighty one percent on CBS, he's fifty seven percent on
1: Yahoo. So Yeah all those yahoos yeah roll up your sleeves get in there
0: <laughs> edward cabrera in in particular but like he's better than a streamer <laughs> this guy right even if you play on yahoo pick him up and, and keep him on your right. team because he looks like the real deal uh speaking of which let's take a look at some other waiver wire pitchers who emerged here on monday you mentioned one of them scotty jaco to rizzi i don't know how much we're actually buying it because it was against the pirates but he did turn in his first quality start in a braves uniform six innings one run And seven strikeouts to zero walks. A couple other names here. Rowanzi Contreras. Fortune favors the Brave. Two-star pitcher of the week for me, huh? Well, maybe (laughs) you should actually just start him. His first seven-inning start of his career, he goes seven. Two runs allowed, five strikeouts there. Uh, A couple other names. Drew Smiley has been really good recently. He has allowed a total of three earned runs over his last four starts. And up against the Cardinals, he goes seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. Takes that tough luck loss against Jordan Montgomery, who obviously was amazing on the other side. And then Domingo Herman turned in his second quality start of the season, six and a third, two runs, only one of them was earned, three strikeouts. The ERA is down to 3.63, but the underlying numbers really do not agree with that. Uh, Scott, anyone stand out here for you? Domingo Herman, Smiley, Odorizzi, and Rowanzi Contreras.
1: Well, I mean, Contreras with the prospect pedigree is obviously interesting. I'm I'm skeptical he's going to become a trustworthy option here over the final 6 weeks. It doesn't help that he pitches for the Pirates. But uh he has he has a pretty impressive arsenal, a lot of spin on all of his pitches capable of getting whiffs at a pretty good rate. And so somebody to keep an eye on at least to scout him for next year maybe. This year I think Drew Smiley has a chance to be a more relevant contributor. As you point out, Frank, the numbers have been really good for him lately. And uh, in, interestingly, both this start and last start, he basically ditched his third pitch at cutter, uh, which is his worst pitch by the metrics. So it makes sense. He's, he's gone really heavy, just uh, curveball, fastball. And uh, it worked out for him. He threw his, his curveball 48% of the time, and this one got 10 whiffs just on that, 15 total. Gets the Cardinals, you know, a good team. The issues with Smiley are that, okay, well, seven innings in this start, but three of the previous four were less than six. And when you're on a bad team like the Cubs, I mean, it's hard to get wins anyway if you're not going six innings consistently, but particularly with the Cubs, you mentioned he took a tough luck loss in this one. Wins are really valuable in fantasy if you play in a format that's anything close to traditional. So... I wouldn't say Smiley is as high a priority pickup as some of those guys we talked about yesterday, David Peterson and Justin Steele, but he's at least on the fringes of being somebody who matters in fantasy.
0: And he is widely available, 28% rostered, so even more available than Justin Steele and David Peterson and Eduardo Rodriguez, who we talked about yesterday Um, Yeah, it just looks really good over these last four starts. 1.13 ERA, only five walks during that time. Velocity is up. Swinging strike rate has looked pretty good for Drew Smiley as well. He is, uh, I would say, the most interesting of those four names that we just spoke about. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that FBT is a finalist in the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Thank you to everyone who nominated us. We really do appreciate it. The job, however, is not done yet. If you voted for FBT previously, then check your email inbox because they did randomly select some of you to vote in the finals. So voting runs through September 13th. Please check and help us out if you were selected. We really do appreciate it. And we are just about forty YouTube subscribers away from fifteen thousand, which is a huge milestone. We started this YouTube channel June of twenty twenty, the year that I joined up. So, in a you know a little bit over two years, we have we built fifteen thousand YouTube subs. I mean, it's pretty awesome. So uh, help us get there. We do appreciate everyone who has already subscribed of course Uh, but if you haven't then help us out let's take a break and we'll get to the news and notes right after this
1: take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
0: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. Bryce Harper will begin his rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday, and he could be activated as early as August 29th. Byron Buxton was pulled Monday night after uh, re-injuring his hip and will undergo an MRI. It just feels like he's always dealing with something, Scott. I know that like the knee has been a big issue for Buxton all year long, and even with that, he's finding ways to contribute. I know he's hit for a lot of power. He's been running a little bit more recently. I think he's up to like six or seven steals on the season. I don't know. I I don't have much Byron Buxton, so I haven't really felt. I don't think I have a single share, so I haven't really felt the experience of Byron Buxton. Do you have him anywhere, Scotty? I have him in one
1: league. Yeah.
0: How would you kind of judge what's happened this year?
1: Oh, it's. It's kind of a weird league that I have him in. It's a points league with a full minus one for strikeouts. So Buxton isn't at his best. He isn't as good in that league as in others. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's I, I you know, I guess it's been frustrating knowing when to start him and when not to. If, if it was like a categories five by five league, I think I would start him a lot more often than I have in this league where I have him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, when the good times have come, they've been really good. So, I don't know. It's uh, He he was a difficult player to draft this year. He's going to be a difficult player to draft next year. Probably need to get him for a pretty steep discount to take the plunge myself. Mm -hmm. Particularly if we can't count on him to be a regular contributor of stolen bases. But, you know, the reward's pretty high too.
0: The thing is, Scott, there there will always be at least one person in a league who will <laughs> convince themselves of buying back in on Byron Buxton, which I can't really blame you. The guy has 28 homers in 91 games this year, which is a massive power pace, but you know, just six steals, 222 batting average. It's It's been a weird year for uh, Byron Buxton. It's also been kind of a weird year for Xander Bogarts, who revealed that he is dealing with... Pain in his left shoulder and his left wrist since a collision with Alex Verdugo all the way back on May 20th. So I looked at his first 37 games before that date. He was hitting 331 with four homers and 860 OPS. It's a 16 home run pace over 150 games. Since May 20th, 79 games for Xander Bogarts. He is hitting 284 with six homers, a 786 OPS. And that is just an 11 homer pace over 150. So no matter how what way you want to slice it, he was really not contributing power much this year. And Scott, I know he was someone you were skeptical of because of the, um, the dead and ball, and you looked into exit mm-hmm. velocity. So, I, I, yeah, Bogart's pending free agent. I don't know where he's going to land. I don't know if he's going to be back with the Red Sox next year. But regardless, in this environment, he might just be more of like a 15 to 20 home run hitter with really good batting average.
1: Yes, but we've seen that throughout the the middle infield. True. You know? So maybe Bogart's stock has fallen a little more relative to some of the others. But I mean, Bo Bichette's has fallen a lot. Who else? Jonathan India. Can't get my list open here, but there there are a lot of good examples of this, uh this happening at both second base and shortstop. And like those were the two positions that saw the biggest increase in home run production during the juice ball era. Like suddenly, I mean, historically speaking, shortstop and second base are not power positions, but they became in some ways even deeper than the ones that historically are because it, it, uh, the, the threshold for a home run had fallen so much. It kind of flattened out across the entire hitter pool and now I think we're seeing it revert to a more uh, a, a standard that's more in line with with historically what we see at those positions.
0: Getel mm-hmm. Marte is a name that stands out in that group, Scott. Jorge Polanco has taken a step back. Carlos Correa not hitting for much power. Yeah. Javier Correa's, Baez, yeah. I mean, obviously has yep. been a, a huge disappointment this year. So you're right. I mean. Yeah, something I heard on another podcast, I can't remember which one now, but um, they pointed out how middle infield is going to be pretty, I guess specifically second base. Second base is going to be really shallow next year, much like third base is right now. Uh, Yeah. Shortstop still has a lot of names, but yeah, second base, not really looking good uh, heading into next season. Clayton Kershaw threw against live hitters on Monday. His timetable is unclear, but the Dodgers have already said Kershaw will not require a rehab assignment when returning. Michael Kopech left his start Monday due to a hamstring injury. Max Muncy signed a one-year, $13.5 million contract extension that includes a $10 million team option for 2024. So I'm guessing the Dodgers are confident in what they've seen over the past month or so with Max Muncy. And I think, Scott, this also kind of clouds the future of Miguel Vargas just a bit. I mean, I guess Justin Turner might still might not return. So that yeah, could open there's up as an spot. option
1: for him. He's yeah. he's a lot older than Muncie. If if Muncie hadn't put together the August he had, I, I wonder how things would have played out. This is pretty team friendly agreement here, obviously. 13.5 for next year, a 10 million team option for 2024. It's yeah, it's it's hard for that to go wrong for the Dodgers. So good for them, I guess. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what their plans are for Miguel Vargas. Now Muncy, I mean, he can play either third base or second base and it's not clear where exactly they intend to play Vargas long term. He mostly he only started twice when he came up earlier and both times was a DH. He did make an appearance at first base in one of those games. But he's been primarily a third baseman in the minors and and Muncy has mostly played third base in the majors this year. So it it does create a potential roadblock for Vargas. But ultimately I think if the Dodgers want Vargas up, they'll find a spot for him.
0: Scott, I am sorry because Vinny Pasquantino got hurt on Monday. He left I due know. to right shoulder discomfort. I was watching that game too. He swung and immediately held on to I thought he was holding like his hand. I thought, oh gosh, a bone immediately. That's what I thought. But it turns out to be a shoulder discomfort and um he says he's all right. I guess we'll see if he's in the lineup Tuesday. But
1: Yeah, he sa- he says it's something he's dealt with before, so he's not that concerned. I, I don't know why he reacted in such a large way, if that's <laughs> the case. I don't know. Maybe he was just scared. I don't know.
0: Hey, when you're a large man, it's, you know, it's large reaction, Scotty. Nathan Avaldi yeah. is likely headed to the IL with those shoulder and neck injuries. Taiwan Walker will start Tuesday against the Yankees, which means Jacob deGrom will be pushed back one more day. Aaron Ashby was placed on the I.L. with left shoulder inflammation. And uh, could definitely be a reason for why he's been you know, so lackluster this season. Uh, I know he's dealt with... was it? I think it was forearm earlier in the year, right, Scott? So now it's shoulder and forearm for Ashby,
1: which yeah. doesn't sound great. No, it doesn't. I hope it doesn't necessitate a move to the bullpen in his future because I'd like to see what he can do as a starter long-term. But he's still still so early in his career that uh, it could go either way.
0: Yeah, we shall see. Tyler McGill will throw live batting practice on Friday, but is expected to pitch out of the bullpen upon returning. Adrian Hauser could rejoin the Brewers' rotation Wednesday against the Dodgers. Not much of a priority. He's more of a streamer than anything. Orioles' pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez will face hitters this week, and it appears that he will be able re- to return to AAA at some point in September. Don't count on him, Um Doing anything with the Orioles this year, but you know, if he performs well in September, we could see him start the season with the Orioles next year. I guess that wouldn't surprise. I did see
1: somebody who covers the Orioles say there's at least a chance he contributes for the big club this year. It might depend on, I, you know, it was just a tweet. I didn't, I didn't see the full explanation, but I, I imagine it'll depend on whether they're still in the race at that point. Uh, But you know, it's it's worth noting that Shane Boz, who is in a very similar spot to uh to Grayson Rodriguez last year, he didn't get he didn't come up until September twentieth. And uh made three regular season starts, remained with the team in the playoffs. So there there is a precedent for a pitching prospect coming up that late. I'm I'm not saying Grayson Rodriguez needs to be picked up and stashed in fantasy, but it I think there's at least a chance we see him in 2022. Okay.
0: I have seen some rumblings on Twitter about Gunnar Henderson could could be coming soon for the Orioles as well. So
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll- I'd be more likely to stash him than Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, it would have to be a pretty deep league, probably a categories league. But there does seem to be some momentum for that.
0: One more prospect note here. The Royals called up outfield prospect Drew Waters on Monday. He was batting ninth, and he went 0-3 for with a walk and a run scored. He came over in the... What trade was that? It was with the (laughs) Braves. I'm trying to remember. (laughs) Was it that insignificant? Who was it?
1: It was...
0: (laughs) Why are we so bad at our jobs?
1: (laughs) I I don't know. Who did the Royals and Braves trade with each other? Uh... Somebody will say it in the comments in a second. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, while we try to figure that out. It was. Oh, it was the number 35 pick in the draft. Yeah, it was a
1: draft pick. Okay. All
0: right. Well, that's okay. You know, we get a pass for that because. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a weird trade. Uh, Anyway, Drew Waters, by the way, he was, you know, a former top prospect in the game. 31 games at AAA with the Royals. He was playing very well. 295 batting average, seven homers, 13 seals. A 940 OPS, he's only 9% rostered. I don't think he's a priority scout, but in deeper leagues, AL only? Yeah, yeah well, I'm AL, AL only.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, even after coming over to the Royals, the, the strikeout rate was close to 30% at AAA, and that's that's been a problem throughout his career. When he was a more highly regarded prospect, he made up for it with really high BAPIPS, which some people have a talent for. And he got back to doing that after joining the Royals. I don't know if it's sustainable. I especially don't know if it's sustainable in the majors. But he is a name. He he does have some ability.
0: Look, if nothing else, the I think the speed is where he might actually really be able to help because the Royals are very aggressive on the base paths. Yep. And um, yeah, he seems like he's pretty fast. Let's get into some hitter questions. Just... Some players from this year. What went wrong? Maybe some players for the future. Uh, Do we actually buy into it? Jose Abreu, Scott, you mentioned earlier, he went three for three on Monday. He added two walks and two runs scored. But where is the power? He is uh, batting 313 overall, which is great, but only 14 home runs on the season. 156 isolated power and 11.3% home run to fly ball rate are both career lows for Jose Abreu. So what do you think, Scott? Where is the power this
1: year? I think, well, the data for him is pretty strong still, right? Jose yeah. Abreu. So, you know, at first glance, I would say, oh, this is the effect of the deadened ball, just like we were talking about with the middle infielders. But the way Abreu is, is impacting the ball, it's, it seems like the power production should be there. I mean, ultimately, the landscape has changed enough that he's still pretty valuable just with what he's doing right now. You know, he's been a must Our first baseman in points leagues. He's the eighth best first baseman this year. Point per game average is a little higher than Josh Bell. Uh, not that far behind Matt Olson. So, like, he's, he's still a productive player. I, yes, 14 seems like a really low total for him this late in the season. But I think you could play that game with a lot of hitters around the league, as yeah. we just did a minute ago.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's relative, right? You know, if if power is down across the board, then, you know, Jose Abreu hitting 14 home runs doesn't doesn't necessarily crush you the way that it would have in years past. So I'm looking at his Roto overall output this season. He's the 59th overall player. So that's probably around where he's being drafted, maybe even a little bit higher. So uh, regardless of the power being down, he has been a very valuable player. That is Jose Abreu. And I do think he kind of fits the mold I know Chris had this theory like a month ago with Nick Castellanos where players with gap to gap power, you know, not necessarily the best over the fence power, have been affected more this year by the dead and ball. And I think Jose Abreu kind of fits that category. He's, he's not someone that ever, you know, was a huge power hitter by any means. But, uh, you know, he had some
1: big seasons. Yeah, I, I could see, you know, the 92nd percentile average exit velocity is I mean, that that should be enough. That's he
0: still puts the ball on the ground. He puts the ball on the ground a little bit too much, though. Still, Scott. I mean, he always that's always been kind of an issue for Jose Abreu. Um, And I did notice his average exit velocity, specifically on fly balls and line drives, it has dipped a tad compared to the past two seasons. So,
1: well, expected slug for Jose Abreu is five hundred one versus four sixty eight is what he actually has. So, Mm -hmm. Statcast would suggest he's underachieving and and i agree i i think you know him versus bogarts who who has a better chance of going on a power surge in september i think it would be a breu
0: yeah i agree with that uh salvador perez went two for four with a run and an rbi and now in 25 games since returning from the il he's hitting 258 with six home runs and he's still hitting the ball hard he's just you know we said it before he's He's not the standout like he was last year. You know, like 98th, 99th percentile. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's just not hitting it as hard. Um, But what do you think, Scott? Overall, what what went wrong for Salvador Perez this season?
1: Well, I I think the biggest thing is he got hurt with the thumb and uh, tried to play through it for a while. And that dragged his numbers down quite a bit. Since returning, he's been better. He obviously hasn't been as productive as he was last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was always going to be difficult for him to live up to quite that production. But I would, like, it still wouldn't surprise me if he's the best catcher from today to the end of the season.
0: Mm-hmm. What I noticed, Scott, is his line drive rate is way down this year, and his fly ball rate is a career-high 48%, so seems like he's almost selling out for power, maybe just trying to live up to what he did last season, and it's just not coming... As easy as naturally as it did last year. So, um, yeah, you know, that may be. I mean, trying to put the ball in the air more as a result of that. But yeah, that's what stood out in terms of the the batted ball data for Salvador Press. Plus, he's just getting older, right? I mean, I think that's a pretty fair explanation as well. Michael Harris went one for one with two walks and his 13th home run. You like to see the walks in this game because he typically does not walk very much. Uh, and mm-hmm. now, in 77 games this year, he's hitting 286. 13 homers, 15 steals, 833 OPS. He's been great. The problem, Scott, the walk rate, very low, as I mentioned, 4.5%. He hits a lot of ground balls, too, 57% ground ball rate. Does anything in the approach here, You know, granted, I'm talking about a, what, 21-year-old, Does does this concern you at all, maybe for his value next year, the year after that, just the lack of walks and high ground ball rate?
1: Yeah, a little. Both of those concern me, especially the lack of walks. It is the sort of thing where, what do you expect from a 21-year-old, as you kind of mentioned there? You find any success in the majors at age 21, it it seems kind of unfair to nitpick the underlying numbers, you know. But I'm I'm always concerned with a guy who walks less than 5% of the time, you know. How how's that going to play out? One thing that does give me a lot of confidence, though, is the Braves signed him to what was it, an eight year deal already yeah. with a with a couple option years after that. They are clearly not concerned about it, so. right? Now he adds so much de- value defensively that I think that kind of mitigates the risk for the Braves. But still, I mean they're they're a smart organization, if I may say so, and they <laughs> cool. are willing to bet on what they've seen so far.
0: Um, I was looking up his number against lefties this year. His batting average is fine, 260 against lefties, but no pop. All of his pop basically is coming against righties. He's got a 660 OPS against lefties, but um, as long as he's like somewhat adequate with, with the batting average against lefties, I, I think Michael Harris will turn out to be fine. I also noticed that while he hits a lot of ground balls, Scott, when he hits the ball in the air... Michael Harris has a 95.3 mile per hour average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. That is tied for 39th among qualified hitters. It's better than Pete Alonso. It's better than Manny Machado. So uh, Mm. as I've always said about Juan Soto, yes, he hits way too many ground balls. But as long as you hit the ball hard when you put it in the air, that's all that matters. And it looks like Michael Harris might kind of fall into that mold uh, early on in his career. A couple of outfielders here, Adolis Garcia went one for four with his 20th home run, and Randy Rosarena went two for three with his 17th homer. Pretty interesting, you know, pretty easy one here, Scott. Do you trust both of these guys now, right? Like, Adolis Garcia, I feel like he was just an afterthought coming into the season. Randy Arozarena, you know, uh, very well known as as a popular bust pick on this podcast, and both players have been awesome, so have they earned your trust to this point moving forward?
1: I wouldn't say I trust them completely. I'm going to be less dismissive of them next year than I was this year because they've done it twice in a row. But they, they both kind of feel Javier Baez-ish to me where they're like, they're like on a razor's edge, you know, and it wouldn't <laughs> take much for them to topple over. And, uh, and so that'll make me a little leery of them going into next year. You know, it kind of just depends what everybody else is doing, whether I draft them or not. I imagine everybody else will feel more bullish about them too. And so I won't, I won't draft much of them. But sure. I mean, if we're talking rest of season, you just leave them in your lineup. Obviously, they've earned yeah. that amount of trust, I would say.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, easy to say when you point out the profile, Scott. I mean, both of Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena much better in roto and categories leagues than they are in points leagues because they, don't have the they don't have very good plate discipline, they don't walk much uh and they do strike out quite a bit. But yeah, their combination of power and steals definitely definitely helps in those uh category formats. Aaron Judge, last one here. He hit his 47th home run. Has, you know, he's been a little up and down over the past month or so. Of course, like, you know, he had that crazy stretch where he hit a bunch of homers and then he slowed down again. Recently, his previous 9 games, he was He went 10 whole games without a home run. I know. It's crazy, Scott. (laughs) His last nine games before Monday, he went four for 30 with zero homers and a 61% Mm. ground ball rate. Uh, The question for you, Scott, he is on pace for 62 home runs right now. Does Mm. he get there? I'm going to say yes. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Uh, I guess so. He needs to hit 15 homers the rest of the way. I think they said he has 39 there's 39 available games left. It doesn't mean he'll play every one. 15 homers in 39 games. That's That's a pretty that's a pretty, you know, pretty massive pace there. Um I'm a natural pessimist. I'm going to say no. Plus I mean, look, it's a long season obviously. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he's going through some stuff and obviously other pitchers are aware of it and they're pitching him very cautiously recently as well. So, I'm going to say no. He doesn't but man, I I hope that Aaron Judge proves me wrong and
1: yeah. He's another he'll one have, he'll have the sixth most home runs in a single season ever. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah. And I'm not one of these people who like doesn't count the steroid home run years because whatever, like yeah. it happened. I have a Barry Bonds Jersey myself. Like get over it. Let's come on. It's about time. Let's get into the rest of a Monday's action here. Scotty. I do have some pitching standouts. I wanted to mention Sonny gray back to back quality starts. He was up against the Rangers where he went six innings, two runs, six strikeouts in this one. He was limited to just 69 pitches. I didn't see that he left with any kind of injury or anything, so I guess the Twins were just being really cautious with him. Jeffrey Springs has allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight. He was up against the Angels. He went five and two-thirds, one run, seven strikeouts here. Uh, Only has one six-inning start since the start of July. That is Jeffrey Springs. And Noah Syndergaard makes it three quality starts in a row. Worth mentioning, they have been against the Reds twice and the Marlins, so very good matchups. Seven innings, one run, two walks to one strikeout. The third time this season, he has had more walks than strikeouts in a start, which, what, Ike. Noah Syndergaard, it's been very weird to see like where he started as a pitcher to like where he is now, but of course he has dealt with a lot of injuries. Anything on those three, Scotty? Sonny Gray, Jeffrey Springs, and Noah Syndergaard.
1: I actually have Noah Syndergaard on that list of, of players who you can give up on. It's it's kind of a list of players who are over-rostered, and of course, Noah Syndergaard, I think, is still plenty streamable. He's had two starts this week. I understand starting him. But, um, you know, the numbers aren't very good. Strikeouts especially aren't good. The whip's not good, and the ERA's not great. Uh, he's capable of delivering a quality start, with some regularity, and and so I think he remains plenty streamable. But 92% rostered seems high for for what guard has been this year.
0: All right, we did have a bit of a pitcher's duel between Julio Arias and Eric Lauer here on Monday. Uh, Arias went six innings, one run allowed, seven strikeouts in that one. And then Eric Lauer on the other side, he went five shutout. I saw two solid starts in a row against the Dodgers. Very tough matchups, obviously. And over Eric Lauer's last nine starts, he has a 2.59 ERA, 45 strikeouts over 52 and a third innings pitched. Anything you'd like to add, Scott, on Arias and Lauer?
1: I would say... No. I mean, it's funny that Arias has kind of gone on to have a better year than he had even last year, right? Given the way it started, a lot of concern, Mm -hmm. velocity being down and everything. Good for him.
0: Yeah. uh, Arias has really become the face of overperforming his ERA estimators, but he's just done it for so long now that I just trust it. I I had a little bit of skepticism coming into the year. I didn't draft him anywhere, but I think we're beyond that. I think Julio Arias is just a really, really good pitcher at this point. A few hitting leftovers. Nick Castellanos went two for four with his 12th homer. And over his last 27 games, he's hitting 343 with four homers and three steals. That is a 22 homer pace over 150 games, Scott, obviously with a great batting average. So, you know, much like some of those other hitters we mentioned earlier, if this is more of what we can expect from Castellanos next year, you know, he's going to be devalued um, from where he was being drafted this year. There's no doubt about it. But if he's a 300 hitter with like low 20s in home runs, that's still a really valuable player. So I think we just have to recalibrate Nick Castellanos, the player in our minds.
1: Yeah, we may be going back to the version we saw with the Tigers, who was like a mid-round pick in fantasy, third outfielder type. And that would be fine. I, I mean, you look at the, yes, he's had a good month of August, but you look at the the season line, it's still much worse than that. He's actually on that list of players I keep referring to that are, it's okay to give up on. I understand he's hot right now, and maybe he's your best choice, so you won't give up on him, but... Uh, it, it is amusing to me that he's remained 99% rostered, <laughs> given the way his year has gone.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just the position too, right? It's got like, outfield is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad position. Like, I know Newt Barr and Fraley have emerged, but uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it's been a pretty bad position. So uh, I think just kind of talking it out, third base, second base, outfield, those are probably going to be the three shallowest hitter positions going into next season in fantasy. Andrew Benatendi has back to back multi hit games and he's looking to get back on track after, you know, really not a great start to his Yankee career first month or so. Uh hasn't gone great. Dan Vogelbach went one for four, hit his 16th home run, and in 26 games with the Mets, he is hitting 284 with four home runs. So uh he's 23% rostered. I think that's fine. Vogelbach is like a deep league corner infielder, which, you know, it's fine. Call to the bullpen. A few updates here for the Royals. Scott Barlow gave up a hit, but picked up his 20th save. For the Yankees, Jonathan Luizaga recorded the final four outs for his first save of the season. Scott Efros went on the IL on uh, Monday here with uh, some kind of shoulder strain I think he's dealing with. A role this Chapman hadn't pitched since Friday, so he should have been available here, Scott. I know his past two outings
1: have have been pretty bad, so
0: uh, I'm not closer to figuring out the Yankees' bullpen at all, but... Yeah. Well, uh,
1: you would think Scott Efros going on the I.L. would clarify some things because Clay Holmes is also on the I.L. Right. Who else are they going to turn to? Lou Trevino? Like, that seems suicidal. <laughs> so, it's it's got to be Chapman, right? Well, really, what what it's got to mean is, is Clay Holmes gets another chance. He, he's not expected to be out for long.
0: Yeah. He's already been... Th- Growing bullpen session, so I, I think he's getting closer to returning too. Um, so we'll see I know I think Trevino pitched like the final Two and a third innings on Sunday, so they just let him go out there uh, Yeah, two and a third he recorded the final seven outs in Sunday's game. So yeah, they're just really kind of mixing and matching right now Trevino Loweizago looks like, and I guess Chapman for the time being. For the Rangers, Matt Moore pitched a clean ninth inning for his third save. Jonathan Hernandez pitched two innings on Saturday and threw twenty-five pitches, so maybe he needed another
1: day off here. Moore had very consistently been the eighth inning guy in recent weeks, so I I think that's all it was.
0: Okay. For Tampa Bay, Sean Armstrong pitched a clean ninth for his first save. Jason Adam, of course, pitched in the eighth inning. He faced the heart of the Angels lineup and I believe it was a one-run game. Uh, he faced four, five, and six in their lineup. So Jason Adam, he's their highest leverage reliever. If it just so happens to be the ninth, then he'll get it. If not, he'll pitch earlier. For the Phillies, Andrew Bellotti walked one but picked up his second save, David Robertson pitched two days in a row, heading into Monday. Uh, Brad Hand and Connor Brogdon both pitched on Sunday as well.:
1: uh, Yeah. And it was a yeah. three-run lead. It's worth noting. I, yeah. They, they might have brought hand back if it was less.
0: Yeah. I would say, Robertson probably gets like 60 percent of the saves moving forward, and then, you know maybe the final 40, 30 to 40 percent kind of go to a mix of people. Um, But yeah, I I still think Robertson's going to get the
1: majority there for the. Yeah, well, Sir Sir Anthony Dominguez could be back after a minimal stay on the I.L. Mm -hmm. So he. Might just still be the closer for most of September.
0: Yeah, fair enough. We'll see Uh, for the Braves. Kenley Jansen struck out two for his 29th save. And for the Marlins, Tanner Scott gave up a hit, but picked up his 18th save of the season. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday, JT Brubaker versus the Braves, Austin Voth versus the White Sox, Nick Lodolo at the Phillies, Jose Suarez at the Rays, Ross Stripling at the Red Sox, Adrian Sampson versus the Cardinals, Zach Davies at the Royals, and Aaron Savali at the Padres.
1: Okay, as we discussed Yesterday, when we talked about Tuesday's matchups, I think Nick Lodolo is the top choice here, even though it's a tough matchup at the Phillies. His previous start was against the Phillies, and it went pretty well, so I think he would be my choice of this group.
0: Yeah, my three favorite are Lodolo, Stripling, and Savali, but all three, you know, they're not—it's not great matchups by any means. I just I kind of like each of those pitchers, you know, what they showed recently, but. Uh, Yeah, don't love the matchups for Wednesday. We have Mitch Keller versus the Braves Matt Manning versus the Giants Spencer Watkins versus the White Sox and Graham Ashcraft at the Phillies.
1: Uh, I don't love them. If I have to pick one, it's probably Ashcraft, but I don't think I'd do it.
0: Yeah, if I had to go with one, I would go with Watkins just because the White
1: Sox struggle against righties, but uh yeah. By the way. By the way, did you know there's a pitcher in the Pirates organization named Braxton Ashcraft? <laughs> I did not oh, know that. Doesn't that sound like an auto-generated name by a baseball sim, you know? It sure does.
0: Yeah. Go to create a player in the show, and that's like the first name that comes up.
1: Braxton Ashcraft. <laughs> I wonder if he's Related to Graham.
0: Is he any good?
1: I I don't know. I, I, I just saw he's on the sixty day IL. That's uh, how he came across my radar.
0: Poor guy. Um, you know when you look at a player's minor league baseball page, milb.com they mm-hmm. they show you whether or not they're related to any other players in baseball. And it does not say that on its page. So,
1: yeah, I sometimes get, it's, it's I guess not. not totally up to date, especially when it's a more obscure player. But yeah, that's, you know, Braxton <laughs> Ashcraft. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of merged two young breakout pitchers together. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, we do have some team name Tuesday, guys. So we'll wrap up with these. Not many, but uh, we do have some. From Robert Adams Dogs will bark, roster, uh, rosters. <laughs> it's late, man. Uh, Dogs will bark, roosters will crow.
1: Like the name Will Crow, correct? Worked it in there, both the first and last name. So I gotcha. That works.
0: From uh, you're gonna have to explain this one to me, Scott, because I, you know, I don't know what it is.
1: I don't know if you oh, know. Oh, come what on. It is. From
0: Ryan Nick Madrigal Automotive.
1: So <laughs> Madrigal is it's from Breaking Bad ah, slash Better Call Saul. Got you. It's the um. I don't know how to describe it in corporate terms, but, you know, it's <laughs> Poyos Hermanos is under its umbrella. It's that conglomerate or whatever.
0: Yes, yes. Magical yeah. electromotive. That's what it's that's what I'm finding here on, on Google. But you're right. Yes, I do remember. Um, yeah, That's a good one. Wow, what a fake Breaking Bad fan I am. Uh, by the way, Ryan, that, that's uh, he's been listening for nine years. His first time with a team named Tuesday Entry, so we do appreciate it. We do have a few from Apple Podcast review from someone named Trentano. The Trevor ending story. Classic. Classic. Yeah. Wonder if we'll ever see <laughs> Trevor's story again this season. And the last one, Sir Anthony Hoskins. Yeah. that works pretty good I like it we're going to wrap there for Scott I am Frank thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today we'll be back again tomorrow bye bye
1: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it